It's great to see you all this morning. As Ron said, my name's Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we've been starting our fall talking about the theme of consecration, which means to set ourselves apart for God. And as we move through that theme into the rest of the fall, we're going to ramp it up a little bit and we're going to be talking about what it means to be more than a conqueror in God. We have a conquer series that's happening uh, that's starting on Monday night for our men and our young men. And guys, if you're not signed up yet, I think, still think you might be able to squeeze you in. We have over, I think it's 88 men, I think, from as of last night uh, that have signed up for that, which is wonderful. And uh, we want to see what God's going to do in our lives as we look to bring uh, all of the goodness of God that he has for us into those areas of our lives which are stopping us from moving into his purposes. And so we're going to run a series alongside that on Sunday mornings called More Than Conquerors because we all have struggles that we deal with. And we're very aware that even though uh, we're dealing with the issues of sexual impurity and stuff like that of the Conquer series for men, women struggle with those things too and need uh, opportunities to be able to grow and get past those things and to be able to deal with them. And we're looking for some resources to help us with that as well. Uh, but we're going to be running this series along on Sunday mornings called More Than Conquerors at the same time as God uh, opens up for us what it means to walk into the land that he has for us and to live in the goodness of all that he has for us. A Roman triumph was something very special for the people of Rome. It was a national celebration, a holiday, and a religious festival. It was given to generals who had won great battles. They were brought back into Rome. They were brought through the streets of Rome. Sometimes it took a whole day, sometimes two or three, to get through Rome with all of their armies and all of the people that they had conquered in front of them and the goods and everything that they had taken. The people in Rome had a very clear understanding of what it meant to be a conqueror. They had seen these triumphs in their own lifetime. There was an emperor called Claudius who came back from defeating the Britons in Britain. In AD 43, 53, I think, he came back to Rome and he was given a triumph. So they led him through the streets of Rome with all of his armies. He gave some of his generals similar triumphs in the years that followed. And not long after those triumphs, while those triumphs would still have been in the minds of the people of Rome, Paul writes this letter to the Roman Christians. And in it, he talks about being more than conquerors. And we're going to read that passage out of Romans 8. But it's really helpful for us to understand the context in which Paul is writing it. Because these people have an understanding of who a conqueror was. When Paul writes to them and calls them more than conquerors, I'm quite sure many of them thought, what? Us? Let's read what he has to say. And then we can unpack it this morning as we look at five characteristics of a conquering community. What are the five characteristics in this passage of a conquering community? There are more, but we're going to look at it particularly from Romans 8, beginning to read at verse 31, going to verse 39. 
The words are on the screen behind if you want to follow along. If you don't have them on your apps, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding or praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I believe you're leading us through this fall. You're leading us step by step. And we ask you right now that you would come and you would open to us the scriptures that you wrote You would help us to understand what was in the heart of the Father when you wrote these words. And you would open our minds to understand, our hearts to receive, and our lives, Lord, that we would live out of the good of all that you are showing us. For your glory, for our good, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Five characteristics of a conquering community. First one is this. A conquering community believes the Bible above every other influence. These Roman Christians may have had trouble believing what Paul was writing. To be a Christian in Rome would not feel like being a conqueror to them. They were treated with suspicion because of who they were, like a sect off to one side. They wouldn't take part in the religious festivals. They had weird things that they did. They gave each other brotherly and sisterly kisses, which the people in Rome thought meant that they were having incestuous relationships with each other. And so they despised them for that. And they would not call Caesar Lord. And so not only were these a weird sect of people, but actually they were traitors to the Roman people. They were seen that way. They were seen as being very un-Roman. That's what it meant to be a Christian in Rome in these early years. They would not have felt much like conquerors. And if they knew anything about the life of the man who was writing to them, they would think that other Christians elsewhere had it even worse. Look what Paul says about his life and those of people like him. He describes it as one of tribulation. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. They were being killed all the day long and regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
That was part of their lives, being persecuted for being Christians. Hardly a recipe for feeling like a conqueror. So the question for these early Christians receiving this letter is this. Who do they believe? Do they believe what their experience and feelings say about who they are? Do they believe what others in the world around them say that they are? Or do they choose to believe against all worldly wisdom what the Holy Spirit is telling them through the Apostle Paul? Many of them chose to believe what Paul was saying, and I'm sure it encouraged them at this point in their lives. And in a few years, as we're going to discover in a moment, it may even save them. We all need objective truth and outside perspective on our lives. Truth about God, truth about our world, truth about who we are and what is going on with us. And the Bible is that objective, truthful perspective. It ought to be the greatest wonder of our world. We have a physical book written by God to help us understand the truth of what is going on. But not in such a way that it crushes us with the weight of it. But it is so full of grace and mercy that it helps us in our time of need. It strengthens us when we are weak. It enables us to stand when other people are falling. It is the power of God in there to help us through every day of our lives. And we live in a world that is ruled by a father of lies. We might not see it like that. We might not often think of it by, like that, but it is the truth. The father of lies authors what is going on in our world around us, and he spreads his lies everywhere to get into the lives of people and into our own lives. He tells us lies about who we are. He tells us lies about what's happening in our lives. He tells us lies about our future. So having the word of God in our hearts, memorized in our minds, is a basic part of the toolkit of every Christian that wants to live a conquering life and people who want to live in a conquering community. Here's how it works for me. Do you feel stuck sometimes? Do you feel that things aren't breaking through and you're not going to make it? The Bible says in Philippians 1 verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Who do you believe? Do you believe that you're always going to stumble through life? Everything is always going to trip you up. You're never going to be able to stand up straight and walk straight. Jude verse 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Who do you believe? Do we feel that sin will always master us? There are parts of our lives that we will never get over because sin has such a strong grip on us. The angel told Joseph in Luke 21, you shall call his name Jesus for he will. 
He will save his people from their sins. Do you feel like a conqueror today? As a man, as a woman, as a young person, do we think we are conquerors? Does the world think we're conquerors? How do we know we're conquerors? Because the Bible tells us so. The Bible doesn't just tell us that we're conquerors. It tells us that we are more than conquerors. That's one Greek word. A more than a conqueror. A conqueror plus. A more than conqueror was a person who not only defeated his enemies, but he so absolutely defeated them and squashed them so that they would never be able to rise again and ever be able to trouble him again. That was a more than conqueror. And the Bible says that we are more than conquerors. A conquering community is a people who choose to believe the word of God when everything in their emotions and experience and the world tells them the opposite. Secondly, a conquering community believes that the primary land they need to conquer is inside and not outside. These Roman Christians had an understanding of what conquering meant. It meant that you went into somebody else's land, you took on their armies, you destroyed them, you took everything you wanted out of their cities, you brought everything back as slaves, and you made the rest of them bow down to you. That's what it meant to conquer. It meant to conquer other people. And unfortunately, down the centuries, there are Christians that are believing still that that's what it means to conquer. But it's not what it means. Paul does not say, over all these things, we are more than conquerors. Above all these things, we are more than conquerors. He says this, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why does he say that? Because what he's saying is this. The circumstances around you might not change. It's wonderful when they do, but they might not. The things that happen in our lives might not change around us. We might not be able to conquer everything else out there. But we can, by the grace of God, conquer what's going on inside of here. And that is so much more important. So that even though the circumstances don't change, we do. This is how it worked for these guys. Seven years after receiving this message... They were still that weird sect that people mistrusted and disliked. But in AD 64, there was a great fire in Rome that burned down many places. It was terribly tragic. The people blamed the Roman emperor, Nero. Nero looked for someone else to blame and said it was the Christians who did it. And as a result of that, there broke out a wave of persecution against the Christians that was terrible. Nero killed animals, cut off their skins, and put them on the Christians and let dogs loose on them until they were killed. Nero put Christians on the top of poles and set them alight in his garden To give light to his garden parties that he held for the people of Rome. These people would not have felt like they were conquering the outside world. But something happened to them during this process. 
There was a man called Seneca who lived in Rome at the time. He wrote to a friend who was sick to encourage him. He wasn't a very pastoral person, as you can hear from his letter. But he said this, referring to the Christians. What are your sufferings compared with the flames and the cross and the rack and the nameless tortures that I have watched men endure without shrinking, without a complaint, without a groan? And as if all this quiet endurance and brave patience was not sufficient, I have seen these victims even smile in their great agony. The people Paul is talking to are not conquering the way the world understands the word. They are not mostly living highly successful lives in the eyes of the world, attending what seems to be highly successful churches. But they lived well and they died well. In the midst of much suffering and terrible persecution, the primary land they conquered was inside, not outside. And as a result of that, public opinion began to change towards them. Many people had a whole fresh sympathy and respect for these Christians who would not say that Caesar was Lord and bow to their gods, even if it cost them their lives. Other cultural beliefs were also changed and challenged. Women were seen almost on the same level as slaves. But when they dragged the Christian women into the theaters, when they dragged the Christian slaves into those coliseums to be killed, they died with the same bravery, the same dignity, the same trust in God, the same miraculous faith as all the men did as well. And the level of respect for women rose in the whole culture. And the level of respect for slaves rose as well. And something changed in the Christians themselves. They no longer feared death. In fact, the Romans had problems with Christians that were queuing up to be martyred to get a better resurrection because they were so unafraid of the death of what was going to happen to them. They knew that something greater was waiting for them on the other side. They were not able in many circumstances to conquer them from the, the stuff outside, but they did learn to conquer themselves in those circumstances. And as we go into this conquer series with the men, as we talk about more than conquerors here, we're not primarily going to be talking about conquering what's outside of us. We will be talking about that at times, but the main land we need to conquer is right in here and in here. And in here, it's inside of us, not side of us. Thirdly, a conquering community believe that we conquer together, not on our own. Paul encourages them that we are more than conquerors. We all have areas in our lives that need conquering. We all need help from others to help us conquer them. When these guys come out tomorrow night, we're not going to give them some tools and send them off on their own to try and do it on their own. It won't work. We're going to put people into groups so they can support each other. And we all need support in that way. When they come back into their families, they're going to need their wives and their children and their daughters and their sisters in the Lord to rise up alongside and to help us and to walk with us through the things that we're going through. We want to do the same for you. The women went through the Blueprints course. I'm reading that book uh, that you've been reading so inspiring, it's brilliant, talking about becoming azers, that word that means helpers, those that rise up alongside. 
I was lying in bed a couple of weeks ago, actually just come back to bed because I'd been up for two hours in the middle of the night worrying and praying, which meant I was doing a lot of worrying and not a lot of praying, but I was trying to do a bit of both. I got back into bed six o'clock or whatever it was, and I was sort of still a bit troubled. Julia woke up. Julia said to me, what's going on? I told her and gave her the headlines. She said something like this. Look, you knew that this was going to be like coming back from your sabbatical and into all that was going on here. But you know God has called us to this. You knew there was going to be warfare. You need to expect it and stand up in it. And then she put her hand on her head and she prayed for me and went back to sleep. I rolled over and before I went back into a deep sleep, I thought, I've got a great wife. Because that's what it means to stand up alongside each other, to speak truth, to speak love, to speak strength, to speak the word of God, to speak hope, to challenge sometimes, to confront sometimes, to help each other. You might not have a spouse to help you with that. You might not have someone living in a house with you who can help you with that. But we're a family together. We want to help each other. Join a cell group. Become part of a, of a small group that will help you to stand together. Pray for a prayer partner, somebody that will stand with you as we conquer together. A conquering community believes the word of God above every other influence in their lives. A conquering community believes that the land we need to take is primarily inside, not outside. A conquering community believes that we conquer together, not on our own. Fourthly. A conquering community keeps its eyes on their conquering king. Paul says we are more than conquerors through him. Two weeks ago, we talked about the people of Israel before they crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. One of the big changes they had was a new leader, Joshua. He very quickly discovered that he was not the new leader at all because he met the real new leader, before the gates of Jericho, out on the plains of Jericho. The leader he met was not a man, although he looked like a man and he had a sword drawn in his hands. He introduced himself as the commander of the armies of the Lord, but he was not an angel because when Joshua bowed down to worship him, the man did not stop him, which an angel would have done. And in the next chapter, the Bible tells us very clearly that it was the Lord and the Lord gave Joshua the commands for what he needed to do to conquer Jericho. He took his word, he did what he was told, and Jericho was conquered. That is the person that Paul is referring to when he says, through him. And we are more than conquerors through him. He is still the commander of the Lord's armies. And when the Lord saw that we were cut off, hopeless, helpless against the enemies of our eternal peace and joy. Inside of us, that sin, those wrong things we do and feel and think that hurts ourselves and hurts people around us, cuts us off from the eternal life of God, leaves us guilty and worthy of punishment and death. Outside of us, the devil and the world and his armies Everything that's under his control, looking to steal and kill and destroy anyone they can. And above all of that, there is the righteous anger and wrath of God against us. And his judgment against us because of our sin and rebellion against him. 
when he saw the absolute hopelessness and helplessness of our situation, the commander of the army of the Lord rode into battle for you and me. But he didn't come down with a sword in his hand. He didn't come down on a horse. He came down as a baby into a little major. And he was born amongst us as the weakest and the least of us all. And he rose up to be a man and he lived a sinful, sinless life, a sinless life. Dying on a cross in your place and in my place. To take our sin, to take our shame, to take our judgment, to take all the anger of God against us and to wash it away as far as the east is from the west. That is our commander of the army of the Lord. And when they put him in the ground, the Romans thought that was it. The religious rulers thought that was it. The representative, the emperor himself thought that was it. But God looked at him who had been obedient even to death and death on the cross. And he thought, I'm going to give him the greatest triumph that the world has ever seen. And he shattered the power of death in the grave with a thunderbolt and with lightning. He brings him up from the dead. He brings him up through the earth and up through the heavens, leading captivity captive through the gates of heaven and sat at the highest place. Of all things in heaven and earth, ruling and reigning until the last trumpet shall sound and she shall mount his horse one last time and take up his sword and lead the armies of heaven to come down and bring those of us who believe in him back to himself and to bring judgment on the world that has stood against him. He is still the commander of the army of the Lord's and Paul says we are more than conquerors through him. Christ Jesus is the one who died, he said in verse 34. More than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. 1 John 5 verse 5 says this, who is it that overcomes? It's the same word as conquering, it's the same root, the world. Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. As we continue in this season of consecration, we may face enemies within and without that seem too big for us, too strong, immovable objects that will eventually wear us down and destroy us. But a conquering community keeps their eyes on their conquering king, who has already conquered all that needs to be conquered to bring us to peace and freedom. I was struggling with some dark thoughts a couple of weeks ago, and as you do, temptations. Some of the usual ways I was using to get rid of them weren't working so much. And so we were meeting as pastors and we confess our sins to each other and we confess our temptations to each other and pray because when you bring that stuff into the light, it breaks the power of it. So I brought these temptations out into the light and I said I was struggling because they didn't seem to be getting broken the way they normally did. And they reminded me to use the word of God and Paul, um, Ron, maybe it is a Paul in the spirit, Ron reminded me of a verse um, that talks about in Philippians 4.8, that talks about the thoughts in our minds. And I thought, I'm going to memorize that. And then I remembered that actually Mary had written a song about it a number of years ago. And every time I've been tempted since then, I start singing this song in my head, which is scripture. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, we will fix our thoughts on.
on these things. It's scripture. It's good scripture. And just as it's scripture, it begins to turn your heart and thoughts towards the conquering king. Because that's what all scripture does. And that's what Mary's song does. Jesus, you're true. Jesus, you're right. Jesus, you're pure. You who are lovely, we will fix our thoughts on you. And I can tell you by this point, all the darkness and the slime of this world is just sinking off my back. And I am flying up into the atmosphere that God created for us to live in. The atmosphere of heaven, the atmosphere of the king, where the king is on his throne. And I'm loose. Jesus, who is like you? Jesus, who is like you? I was sitting in a doctor's office. This was going through my head. I've got tears streaming down my face. I have no idea what the people around me were thinking, and I could care less. I'm in the heavenly realms with Jesus. Fourth characteristic of a conquering community. They keep their eyes on the conquering king. The fifth Characteristics of a conquering community. They believe that they are loved by God. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What are the greatest accolades of today? In those days it was a Roman triumph. What about today? Nobel Prize, Oscar, a Ballon d'Or if you like your soccer. Booker Prizes, Emmys, the title of the richest person in the world, the cleverest, the strongest, the leader of the most powerful nation of the world. There is something greater than all these things. There is something more worth of pursuit than all of these things. There is something that feeds our soul greater than all of these things. And that is to be loved by God. To live every day in the knowledge of the truth that you're a child of God, eternally loved, brought into his kingdom to live there forever as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. We had a wonderful sabbatical. The theme of the sabbatical for me was return to your first love. God took me on a journey in that. I never felt worried about it. I felt like the Lord was going to lead me. Took me on a journey. One of these days, maybe I'll get an opportunity to unpack that journey for you. But you know where it took me to at the end? It took me to this. It wasn't my love I needed to return to. Because I don't have any. Love comes from God. I needed to return to his love. And you know what the theme of my, I, I think in songs as you can hear, the theme of my sabbatical became, then sings my soul, oh, then sings my soul. How great your love is. 
how great your love is. Then sings my soul. Then sings my soul. How great your love is. How great your love is. We will conquer nothing if we do not believe that we are eternally loved by our Father God. And you may be here today. You may be on the internet today. I felt the Lord give me a word today. You're a prodigal. You're sitting there, you're listening to this, you're thinking, yeah, but I'm so far away. I'm so far away from the love of God. It's a lovely story in the Old Testament about a lady called Ruth, a beautiful lady. Um, But there was a moment when uh, she was in trouble and and needed somebody to cover her. And her mother-in-law needed someone to cover her. And there was this man, Boaz, and and she went in the night and, and lay at the feet of this man, Boaz. And the man, Boaz, took his robe. And he extended his robe over Ruth. Wherever you're at this morning. Jesus wants to extend his robe over you. Been crying all week. Whenever I hear about, feel, and whenever I start thinking about this, he extends his rope. He covers. He covers your brokenness. He covers your weakness. He covers your shame. He covers your disgrace. Whatever you're dealing with today, come under the covering of his love because he extends it to you today. And there is nobody, and it does not matter what you have done, there is nobody who is beyond the extent of his covering grace. Can I pray for you this morning? Lord, you love us. It's an unspeakable truth. If the Bible didn't say so, the Bible tells me so. That's all we were singing this morning. If the Bible didn't say so, I wouldn't believe it. Why should I believe it when I look at my own life and everything in me? Why should we believe it, Lord, when we look at our lives and the things around us? But you do love us, Lord. You loved us so much. That you sent Jesus to extend his covering of grace and kindness over every part of our lives. And we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I pray, Lord, 
that you would open everyone's eyes in a fresh way as we go into this new season to see the conquering king, to receive his love, to stand on the truth of the word of God. Lord, to walk in humility with our brothers and sisters together, to strengthen each other. Lord, to fight the battles inside that we need to conquer through your name. And Lord, to become in the fullness of all that you want us to be, the people who you want us to be in these days. Because you love us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.